Today, I am joined by Ishak, all the way from San Diego, California. Thank you very much again for being here, man. Um, so today, we're going to talk over a few things. We're going to talk a bit over Ishak's personal experience, um, who's gone through some, some great body transformation himself, and then going into depth with what he's achieved as a coach, the direction he's going in, and all things wonderful on those sides as well. So those who don't know who you are, Ishak, now's the time to introduce yourself, man. Sure. For sure. Let's get it going. Um, well, I first want to thank you for the opportunity and the very kind intro. And um, for those Pleasure. that don't know me, I am a physique coach. I am a sports nutritionist. I primarily work with coaches, athletes, uh, general lifestyle people, and um, pretty much focus on, on anything with regards to improving overall body composition, improving sports, uh, improving sport performance for those who have specific sport-related goals, and um, just really focus on education, right? I think that's something that's really big um, that's lacking um, in the evidence-based or fitness space, right? And although there's like tons of content um, mm. too, right? On Instagram, on social feeds, um, oftentimes a lot of people fail with regards to understanding how to apply a lot of that information practically. And that's what I aim to do in this industry is bridge the gap between science and evidence and um, you know learning through experience and really making it in a way to where it's not only understandable, right, but it's able to be easily implemented by many people. So that's what I really focus on um, and uh, tons of things in the work. I do anticipate to release a book that I've been working on for the past uh, year and a half now, almost two years, and um, it's dropping next month. I'm not sure when you anticipate to release this, but um, for those who really want to learn more about the um, fundamentals and principles with regards to resistance training, sports physiology, so on and so forth, um, that's, that's a resource I definitely recommend you reference. Um, and I also have a, my own podcast, Anabolic Radio interview different professionals, researchers, um, and talk about all the nerdy stuff with regards to health, uh, nutrition, training. And um, I'm also a competitive natural bodybuilder. So this is something I've been doing for, or I've been pursuing for the past um, six years now, seriously. And um, it first started out with me sort of pursuing a fat loss related goal, right? So for those of you that don't know me at 15 years old, I was um, 250 pounds and I was um, teetering on the edge of what would have been, you know, morbidly obese for that age. And I was pre-diabetic, I was hypertensive and a bunch of um, things with regards to health definitely weren't trending in the appropriate direction. And yeah. um, a few years earlier, fast forward before 15 years old, um, my father had actually walked out of my life. So that was something big for me that, um, you know, I really had to sit and reflect about, you know, the person I wanted. And this kind of someone 12, 15 years old thinking about this stuff. What the fuck? It's but, a lot, man. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, that happening really 
allowed me to understand that if I wanted to accomplish anything in this life, you know, it was all on me and um, I had to really um, take matters into my own hands, right? So I woke up one day, I was very unhappy with um, how I looked in the mirror. Um, I was actually taking a picture of a sunburn I had, but I was just, I was disgusted with what I saw. And um, that eventually led me to start educating myself with regards to, you know, counting macros and fat loss and muscle gain related things. And um, that eventually led me to fall in love with bodybuilders like Kai Green and, and, you know, Branch Warren and Phil Heath and all these different um, professional bodybuilders, um, although they were on the enhanced side, um, all these different bodybuilders that were super big around that time were coming up. Um, I actually found uh, what they did super inspirational. And um, with regards to me being natural at the time, um, because I wasn't ready to, you know, take that jump or, you know, and in my opinion, taking any sort of exogenous androgen like testosterone or whatever, um, isn't necessarily the most productive thing to do when it comes to long-term health and longevity. So I fell in love with natural bodybuilding. I started following, following the natural bodybuilding scene that eventually led me to come across team 3DMJ. Um, and if you don't know about team 3DMJ, they are a group of coaches, uh, natural bodybuilding coaches that, I mean, they've been in the game for a while and they're, you know, probably the first group of coaches that really, um, really, I don't want to say termed or coined, but they were probably the first ones who really made it big approaching, you know, a contest prep or fat loss or muscle gain related goal with evidence backing that approach. Right. Nice. And um, in 2015, I eventually, you know, worked with uh, or 2015, 2016 ish. I worked with uh, my first coach who was Jeff Alberts of Team 3D Muscle Journey. And um, he's been bodybuilding longer than I've been alive. And he's had so much experience over the years. And he's someone I still admire to this day and someone I still, you know, um, find tons of value from with regards to his methodologies and approach to nutrition and training. Um, Anyways, worked with my first bodybuilding coach um, for about a year during my off season. And then I eventually, or during an off season, um, my first ever, you know, dedicated muscle building phase. And uh, after that year, I eventually, you know, went through my first contest prep and I got bit by the bug and I fell in love with the process, the journey and um, everything that bodybuilding taught me um, as a result to not having, you know, my father there. Right. So things like education, things like consistency, discipline, you know, um, perseverance, all these different qualities I really learned from natural bodybuilding. And I guess in a way you could say, you know, it was bodybuilding that raised me, but I really do believe that. And I think, um, it helped, you know, save my life in a way and really, um, put my life on a path, um, that I wanted it to move in. Right. So that's how I fell in love with bodybuilding. That's my transformation. Yeah. That's wicked, man. And it's I'm I'm hearing this story completely fresh as well. So that was a a, a really awesome story to hear because I can imagine, you know, you being at the age of what you said, 12, 13, when you kind of had this decision to make with sort of starting to take more ownership and um, take more control of your life and knowing that was a something 
you need to do a bit more moving forward. And the fact that, you know, that I'm sure there was, you know, any 13-year-old boy or girl, there was probably a lot of you that didn't even understand where to start with it. And the fact that you turned to something that was massively important for just your overall health and well-being to be something to channel and give your focus on. And you, you found that from such a young age is really admirable in itself. Um, so that's, 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 a, that's a huge credit to you as a person, your own, your own kind of mental strength and, and beliefs for sure, man. And, yes. you know, and no, no problem at all. It's just, I'll just call it how I see it. And you're now in the position that you are because you've, that was a decision you made and it's, it's very much forged the path that you're going into. And something that I found um, that kind of really pricked my ears up on multiple occasions was how much you invested time in kind of learning things for yourself, which is massively important. And I feel like people overlook, especially when it comes to nutrition on a very, very large scale. Um, you know, we're seeing more of it in um, 2021 now where there's these quick responses with, you know, more um, ridiculous fad approaches being pushed by kind of, you know, like D-list celebrities for a quick buck and stuff like this and things that, you know, literally are eye roll inducing like you just did, man. And the, the issue is that people are looking for a quick fix that doesn't exist with this kind of approach and with just making these sort of changes and they're not willing to educate themselves further but I think something going from more of a coaching standpoint that can be even more frustrating is the fact that everyone has an understanding of what will be more of a valuable and a less valuable choice when it comes to a nutrition kind of aspect, right? You can, you can put two different meals in front of someone, one that's sort of like, you know, greasy fast food. Can have, they can have like the same calorie content, for example, and you can get them to say, well, okay, I can see that the one there that isn't the fast food, that's sort of like a, a decent source of protein, some veg and, you know, some carbohydrates and sort of like dietary fats that are going to be more beneficial. Even if the calories are the same, you can see that the nutrients you're going to get from them is more beneficial. It doesn't take any kind of qualified genius to work that out. And I think that's where the almost frustration can stem from when it comes to getting people to be ad adherent and to kind of stick to things when it comes to making better nutritional choices and the fact that again you you took that upon yourself to learn that at the age of like you know the very ripe age of 15 is fucking huge man like that's that's awesome you know because not For many sure. you know people people of you know adult age and over still struggle to make those decisions and actually make time to educate themselves and that is Absolutely. one of the things that i think is a big downside but another thing kind of looping into this is you saying about the importance of it being evidence-based and I found that really interesting about the the group of um, bodybuilding coaches that you worked with and have worked with about the fact that you know they're one of the first peoples around you said around 2015 correct that right. we're doing things where it's sort of like here's the end product it's not like right let's just get that end product out there get them to do the best they can on a competitive stage it's We've got them to this point. They look shit hot, and this is how we've done it, and that's really cool as well. And I think, would you say that that's probably then very much fed into your approach with things being so focused around evidence based when it comes to, you know, educating other people and everything that you do? Because kind of looping back into what I already mentioned, there's so much crap out there that isn't evidence based, that isn't scientific, that will get a some sort of knee jerk response, largely because they're just putting people into a calorie deficit. Right. It's not science by any means. It's just causing us calorie deficit by some means. 
And, you know, I think, yeah, do you think that that's something that kind of very much fed into it with having that sort of um, that belief system and that approach, you know, surrounding you from your early experience within bodybuilding? For sure. Absolutely. A lot of good points. I'm going to try and break it up to the best. Of my Sorry, ability, man, I just okay? kept going. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's good. Um, so, OK, um, just for some important preface, um, when I was younger, I was pursuing a career in um, nursing. So sure. that pushed me into going to nursing school. Um, and I was in nursing school for about like three years, which is like five semesters. Um, that was an experience that didn't necessarily work out. I ended up getting let go my last semester. Um, so that was a little unfortunate um, that I let got let go from the program. I got dismissed from the program. Um, but I think at the time I was super salty about it. But looking back now, um, it actually provided me with a really good foundation for understanding uh, anatomy, physiology, like some biochemistry, a lot of the different things that occur within the body. Um, and I think that foundation allowed me to really, you know, build off of it. And it's just something that I use so heavily today. So that's, that's a bit about my educational background. Um, but yeah. and then, you know, working with various mentors and coaches over the years is something that's helped me out too. But um, now, back to your question with regards to, you know, 3D muscle journey and the evidence based approach, I think that's something big that really um, stuck out to me and something that um, still sticks out to me to this day, just because one, I, I love science. I love an evidence-based approach. But with how they approached working with an athlete, it seemed like they were really nurturing and cultivating an environment to where the client or the athlete would be able to thrive in, right? And they're keeping mm -hmm. in mind longevity. So it's not only you know the fat loss and losing the body fat, but something that's really important is the period of recovery after fat loss, right? So this is a big reason why a majority of fat loss programs or diets out there fail is because oftentimes many people plan for fat loss, but they don't really plan for the period of recovery afterwards, okay? So what happens in a typical person's you know, mind is, okay, I'm going to diet, I'm going to lose this body fat, and then it's back to eating burgers and pizza yeah. and all these things, and it's okay. It's like, okay, well, you could totally do that, but you're really, um, you know, neglecting and failing to continue to stay consistent with the majority of the habits that you've been working so hard to build, right? And this is a conversation I have with every single one of my clients before they even start with me. It's like, okay, you're working with me and I want you to understand this is not some eight week or 12 week bullshit that you're going to give your all. And then when you're done, you're going to fall off the wagon. No, this is going to be something you're going to maintain for the rest of your life because when you're 30 or when you're 40, you don't want to move like you're 50. You want to move like you're 40. You want to play with your kids. You want to run around with your kids. Eventually, you want to play with your grandkids, right? And this is something that I always try to hammer home because oftentimes a lot of people gravitate towards nutrition and training because, you know, they want that physical aspect of things, which there's totally nothing wrong with. Right. That's why I first got into it in the first place. Right. Exactly. But it's very, 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 very important to understand that, you know, you being able to train is not only a privilege. OK, you taking care of your health is a privilege, but there are a variety of adaptations that occur outside of building muscle and losing body fat um, 
that occur as a result of resistance training. Like, you, you know, you have a lower resting heart rate, you have, um, you have lower, lower, um, or you have improved ability to utilize carbohydrates, right? You have decreased risk of cancer. You have all these different things that occur because of it. So it's like, in my head, I don't know why, you know, a certain individual wouldn't want to invest even an hour, 45 minutes, you know, three times a week or four times a week, you don't have to train like you're a natural bodybuilder, you don't have to train like a power lifter or an Olympic lifter. But even investing that small bit of time every single day is something that will make a substantial impact on your overall quality of living and your health, right? Yeah. So another point you brought up was quick fixes, right? Mm. This is something that's very common in the industry. And, um, you know, oftentimes, it's it's a marketing thing, right? Yeah. So the marketing the marketing team responds to what do people want most, right? The the sales team responds, oh, people want to get results without doing anything. Or the marketing yeah. team says, okay, let's do that and let's sell them, mm -hmm. right? So this is where you find things like you know these detox de detox teas, these diet pills, these this crazy special magic food or diet or you know figure out your calories based on your body type right all this is yeah. all this is bullshit okay yeah. and oftentimes neglects you know the the root problem of what you know caused that person to get where they are today right which is exactly. improper improper eating habits you're not taking care of your sleep you're not taking care of your stress management you're not taking care of your micronutrition the list is endless right so Definitely. I think, you know, quick fixes are always going to be there, but, mm -hmm. you know, let's say you take a quick fix approach at the end of that approach, you know, you may potentially not only gain back what you lost, but some more. So like yeah. the, the habit change, behavioral change is so complex and it's going to far exceed what I'd be able to cover in our conversation right now. Yeah. But sure. quick fixes are going to be something that really prevent you from achieving that sustainable change that you want to maintain for your life. You know, Definitely. so that's something really big. And you had you had mentioned another thing about, OK, um, calorie content between different food sources. OK. Mm. Um, and, and this is a big thing because, you know, this is something this is a topic I'm super passionate about because. You know, oftentimes people just say calories in versus calories out, right? Okay. And it's it's the law of thermodynamics, calories in versus calories out, is a law for a reason, right? Um, if you don't know what thermodynamics is, is basically how our body utilizes and expresses, you know, energy from the food that we consume. Okay. Yeah. Now, if calories was all that mattered, then everybody would be eating low calorie and exercising, you know, themselves out of their minds and they'd get results, right? Mm -hmm. But it neglects what really allows someone to achieve optimal results, okay? And that occurs as a result of focusing on macronutrients in the right proportion, micronutrients, muscle protein synthesis, nutrient timing, you know, the list, the list is ever expansive with nutrition, right? So I think yeah. the message we need to be sending is instead of saying calories is all that matters, we need to be sending the message that, okay, 
calories matter, but so do macros, so do micronutrients, so do them proportioned in the right amounts. And the chances of someone achieving fat loss without a nutritional system that supports the proper habit change needed to achieve those results is far less than having, you know, someone having a strategically structured nutritionally periodized system that allows them to thrive over an extended period of time. Okay. And the other thing too, is you don't need to be in a calorie deficit deficit to optimize fat loss. Although, you know, it is optimal. You could still build muscle and lose fat at maintenance. You could still build mm -hmm. muscle and lose fat, you know, in, even in a surplus, although it might not be as optimized if you were in a deficit, it's still possible. Right. So that's yeah. something big um, to take into account. I guess it's just like more important context. We need to be adding to the conversation. Context is everything. And it's something that, you know, ever fleeting with social media and the sound bites and these, you know, uh, restricted, restricted, restricted captions. And, you know, there's only only so much we could try to do. But, you know, putting out this message and having these conversations is something that's super important. That's why I also started my podcast, too. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And, you know, looking back to something you said at the start, just with helping and educating others is so important. And just giving people the knowledge that they need to then do with whatever they please. But just knowing that they've got the evidence based and the correct knowledge, as opposed to the amount of negative stuff that is out there or can be detrimental, as you mentioned, with these fatty approaches and stuff like that. And sadly, I do think you are right on that note of you saying that they probably will always be there because there's always going to be a market for that kind of quick response, quick sort of fix and just snap it up and let's see what we can do as opposed to it being actually let's learn something here and look at making sustainable changes, making lifestyle changes or have a positive impact. And that's another thing you said as well about finding it quite frustrating, the fact that you could, you know, the list of benefits from eating better and exercising frequently is huge. It's absolutely huge. You know, and it's just and it's, it's almost never ending. And the fact that some people can't seem to grasp that can be very frustrating. But I think, you know, that comes down to a, a host of different things that are beyond our, um, our probably our time frame of conversation again today with psychological impacts and stuff like this. Um, but it's 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 just it's a fascinating subject. Full stop. As you were saying with the the nutrients and just getting people to kind of grasp the fact that that so much spans beyond calories in versus calories out, which seems to be almost the the tagline for nutrition when, you know, over the last kind of couple of years, maybe back in sort of like mid 2019 to like early last year, you know, there was a couple of fitness professionals that was, you know, all it is is a calorie deficit. It's like, well, yes and no, you know, like there's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that. And also it's one of those things that yes, um, counting calories and stuff like this is one of the surefire ways to, to make yourself accountable and can very much aid towards achieving whatever the goal is, even away from fat loss. Um, but it's one of those things that are well, as well doesn't always work for each individual. And as you said, it's the context of how you want to apply this to the individual to make it work for them as well, which is massively important. But it is, it is something that I think is still massively overlooked. So oh, I'll, just, I'll just either be in a deficit or I'll work to whatever I need to be and then otherwise I can just fill fill the you know fill the meals and the the actual numbers with whatever i fancy so well technically yes you can because as you just said that's the black and white that's the black and white of it sorry but at the same time that doesn't mean you're going to be getting the best from that 
You know, you need to ensure that the quality of what you're putting in is massively important. So would you would you mind if I kind of dove back a little bit to the the moment when you decided like, okay, right, I want to make a change. I want to have a look at doing something about the way that my body is at the moment. When you were it was around 15, you said you wanted to first make that change, right? And kind of the thought process and how you approach that, because I'm guessing largely to begin with, it was off your own back. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So how how was that for you? Like how how did you approach that? Because there'll be you know many people either watching or listening to this that maybe in a position that's sort of like cool, I want to give this a go, but I'm, either I can't afford to invest in a coach, or you know like I don't know where to start because it can be a minefield. For sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm not really too sure about how I approached things back then, um, and yeah. <laughs> I I reckon how I approached things then weren't um as optimal as i approach things now okay sure man it was and the reason knew, why right? yeah, yeah, yeah i just approach things based on what i knew right and so more time more experience you know more learning lessons along the way you know i eventually know more way more than i did back then right so mm-hmm. you know for for anyone who has a body composition or you know um fitness related goal there are a couple of things, you know, you could you could do to really ensure you're getting maximal results. OK, so th- this is um, this is a fat loss related goal, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. OK, so I think the first thing that's really important is your environment. You know, setting your environment up for success is, you know, something that's really important. So let's say, for example, you know, you don't have, you know, a good support um, support environment, right? Or you're keeping things in your household that you know you shouldn't keep in your household because sure. you're going to go balls deep on the full package, right? Uh, of wafers yeah. or, you know, or uh, jar of peanut butter, jar of Nutella, whatever, right? So setting your environment up for success is something that's really important too. And I also think having the appropriate expectations is really important as well. So let's Absolutely. say, for example, you set whatever goal you want for yourself, let's say fat loss related goal. And let's say, you know, you say in six weeks, okay, six weeks, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to be hundred percent adherent. And by the end of those six weeks, you anticipate to see shredded six pack abs. Okay. Six weeks come and go and you're not going to see a six pack shredded abs, right? So that is an inappropriate expectation for that goal that you set out for yourself right so this is what's called an expectation reality mismatch okay and this is something that you know it's very common with people who don't know any better there's nothing wrong with having these expectations but you know it's awesome that you want a six-pack it's awesome that you want a bigger ass whatever goal you set out for yourself but at the same time you need to have realistic expectations for how long it's going to take you to actually achieve that goal based on your starting position so you know that typically entails setting both short-term and long-term goals that you're able to, that are not only realistic, but that are able to keep you motivated and stay consistent along the way. Okay. So expectation management's another big one. Um, I think, you know, depending on your approach, it should fit your dietary preferences. Okay. So 
keto, paleo, if it fits your macros, whatever popular diet you want to name, okay? Yeah. It all works based on what I had previously mentioned, which is the law of thermodynamics, okay? Calories in, calories out. Now, there are advantages in different types of dietary approaches, right? And that depends on the context of the individual, right? But at the end of the day, okay, you should enjoy what you're doing, okay? You should be eating things that are nutritious, things that are minimally processed. You should be having a sufficient amount of protein being, you know, anywhere from 0.8 to 1.5 grams of protein per pound of you could either do body weight, but me personally, I like calculating protein intake based on lean body mass. Um, protein intake is really important. Dietary uh, preference is really important, right? And you could still, you know, um, enjoy some of those unconventional foods. So let's say 90% of what you're consuming is minimally processed, wholesome, micronutrient-dense foods. Then the other 10% of your calories, macros, whatever you could allocate to some of those unconventional foods being, you know, uh, ice cream, pizza, you know, whatever the case may be, right? And this is, this is something that's really big too, because people are like, oh, I could have pizza and ice cream. I thought this was good food and bad food, right? That's another conversation we could get into. There's no good foods or bad foods. There's just foods that provide you with more or less micronutrient content, right? So Mm -hmm. eating, quote unquote, clean, wholesome, minimally processed foods isn't necessarily better or worse, but it's oftentimes the smarter option to gravitate towards when it comes to managing hunger, satiety, you know, ensuring you're getting sufficient fuel to perform and recover for your training sessions, you know, that's something big to really take into account. Um, or and that's the other thing, good food, bad food, clean food, dirty food, whatever, cheat day, all these different um, terms we use for, you know, our perspective about a certain food, um, I think, you know, 2020 is the year we really need to put them in the coffin. And we really just need to understand um, the nuances that actually impact nutrition and training, right? Um, Let's see what else. Uh, Expectation management, um, environment, um, dietary preferences. I also think tracking your progress that's something that's really yeah. important too. So, you know, what what Im- what gets tracked improves, okay? If you don't yeah. track it, how do you expect to improve with it? This goes for your body weight, goes for your training, goes for your nutrition, right? So if you want to progress towards a certain goal, you have to have some sort of quantifiable means for progressing towards that goal, okay? This could be weighing yourself in the AM, this could be tracking your macros, this could be tracking your weights, you know, this could be taking body weight measurements, right? It's very important that we obtain this data and we track it on a week to week basis. So you're able to accurately assess whether or not you are moving in the right direction or if you're not. And if you're not, that prompts you to make, you know, the appropriate, uh, the appropriate adjustment. I think probably the, like the last one, big one um, for setting, you know, goals is just understand your why, you know, why, why, why are you doing it? Is it because you want to impress that girl at the gym? Is it because you want to, you know, impress your friends, six pack shredded abs? And there's nothing wrong with, you know, these 
surface-like goals, like I, I, I had previously expressed. But um, I think um, eventually, as you become a little bit more mature, the longer you do this, you need to reflect on the importance of why you're actually doing what you do. So, you know, longevity, improved health, you know, better confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And this is something that's really big, especially for competitors, right? They, yeah. they want to start a contest up because they want to impress their friends. They want a trophy, whatever. Let me tell you a story. My last season, after my first show, I, I so my first show, I won the I won the overall. Okay, yeah. or I didn't win the overall. I won the I won the overall for my class. Okay, mm. um, and my trophy broke the next day. Okay. No. Now what this taught me was that trophies mean absolutely fuck all. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't it doesn't it you can't you can't put a trophy on the amount of hours or time and energy that you invested towards a specific no, goal. Too. Right. So if you're starting a contest prep with the intent of I want to win the overall, I want to win the goal. You know, that could be something that's detrimental for you to actually achieve your full potential. Right. And there's there's actually even literature on this. Right. Mm. Oftentimes people who approach their goals with you know, a process oriented mindset rather than a goal oriented mindset, you know, achieve their goal more than the people who, you know, just, you know, they want, they want the end result, right? Because that person sure. who's process oriented, they're focused on all the little things they have to do every single day, like a checklist. Okay. Yeah. Check my nutrition, check my sleep, check my training, check my steps, check my stress management, all these different things. Right. And then doing that on a day-to-day -day basis, eventually, compounds and accumulates and takes them to a place where they want to be right momentum man absolutely momentum absolutely yeah for sure and that's and that's and this is something that i i would like to skim the surface a bit with you as well is the the psychological uh, element and impact that can certainly come around um any kind of competition but especially when it's so um heavily focused on the way that you look and how exposed you essentially are just you know black you know in every aspect when it comes to physique um competing and the people that i know quite closely and have been involved with closely that have done this previously and something again kind of looping back into a, a topic you mentioned earlier on that i think is massively important is first of all kind of the the impact of coming out of that after you've been in a very extreme kind of restricted state when you're getting up to sort of like competition, uh, competition ready, right? And I've I've heard of a few cases of people that I know relatively well who have kind of been left a bit high and dry with this, and sort of come out the other side of it and been like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. And of course, that's completely on the coach and on the on their know how. Sorry to cut you off. You know, what's right. fucked up is that's something that's very common in this space. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I was wondering because because you know the the few um, sort of like accounts of it that I had heard from kind of people relatively close, um, I was wondering if it was something that was quite um, common and whether that's something. Do you? I, I hope that you haven't, but it's something you've experienced yourself or nothing that I've personally experienced. Um, it's something that um, prospect clients definitely tell me it's something they experience it's something mm. i hear so many horror stories man it's yeah. very very disheartening especially for someone who takes what they do like very very seriously right mm. um so here's the thing i think it's it one it's all on the coach right mm -hmm. if your coach 
isn't giving you a game plan for recovery, mm-hmm. let's say mm-hmm. two weeks after, you know, your season or whatever, your show or whatever, competition, even sports specific, right? Yeah, like powerlifting exactly. or, you know, uh, Olympic lifting. The same thing could be, you know, said. Um, but anyway, specifically for dieting, for fat loss, um, in the context of contest prep, I think utilizing different strategies like refeeds and diet breaks are very valuable with regards to attenuating, okay, attenuating a lot of the negative adaptations that occur within fat loss, okay? So depending on how long you've been dieting for, depending on how aggressive you're dieting, um, there are negative repercussions associated with you being in a energy restricted state for extended periods of time. Okay. So intermittent, intermittent energy restriction using things like refeeds, diet breaks are very important means for us to break up those, you know, super focused. I'm in an energy restricted state modes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Refeeds and diet breaks are beneficial for preserving lean body mass, right? And they're also beneficial for improving training performance, improving tra- uh, recovery, um, improving leptin and ghrelin, which are two massive hormones that regulate your appetite and satiety. And they're also beneficial psychologically too, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, when you've been dieting for a while, having one to two days where you're able to consume a little bit more food than you're typically used to, um, not only is it beneficial on a psychological level, but physically, and you know, there's a bunch of um, yeah. positive things associated with it, but especially psychologically, right? Because you're no longer restricted, you're able to enjoy a little bit more food. Maybe you know, you go out with your girlfriend or whatever. You have some frozen yogurt, right? That's something yeah. that not only keeps keeps her happy because he's <laughs> not fucking eating all his pre-prepared meals, this, that, and the other, right? Yeah. Um, but it's something that really uh help psychologically too that's the other this is another thing that i didn't really mention but if you have a significant other and you're in a contest prep um you know learning how to manage that is super important because you don't want to potentially risk you know losing that person that you care so much about because you're so focused on your goal right so that's Mm -hmm. something big to take into account now with regards to contest prep or fat loss recovery phases Mm-hmm. There's two different approaches that really um, stand out. So the first one is the reverse dieting model. Okay. So the reverse dieting model, uh, let's say, you know, we have someone who's eating, you know, 1700 calories at the tail end of their prep. The reverse dieting model slowly implements calories on a week to week basis within an eight week time span. Okay. Um, now my issue yeah. with that, okay, and, and, I don't have an issue with it, okay? So let me rephrase what I'm saying because it works. It just depends on the context, right? But I would say the caveat to this approach is that it keeps you in a deficit after you got done competing for up to eight weeks, right? Whereas the second model, which is called the recovery diet, okay, which is actually coined by Team 3DMJ. They came out with this back in 2015. 2015, 2016, um, but the recovery diet model. So you already have a general, or you should, or your coach should already have a general idea of where your theoretical maintenance lies, 
Okay. Sure. So after you got done dieting 1700 calories, you're automatically going to increase your calories back up to maintenance because the show is gone. There's, there's no reason to maintain sub 10% body fat, right? Because being super low body fat is not good for your health. FYI, for yeah. anyone listening, it's yeah. So we'll talk about it, but anyways, um, the, the recovery diet, okay. You automatically increase your calories up to maintenance. There are so many benefits we get from, you know, increased food, especially at the tail end of the diet. Um, but, you know, you're back up to maintenance within that t- eight, eight week time frame. You know, your sure. goal should be to gain 10 to 15 pounds of body fat back. OK, mm-hmm. so now for a very important context, um, contest prep, bodybuilding, Whatever shredding to super low body fat percentages is not good for your health. And I want this to be very, very clear. It's very detrimental to you psychologically, right? You start to potentially develop um, signs and symptoms of body dysmorphia, right? Um, But sorry, brain fart. Um, It's not healthy. Oh, your your hormones also take a hit too for males. Yeah testosterone significantly goes down for females um you can potentially uh experience amenorrhea which is loss of Mm -hmm. your menstrual cycle which Mm -hmm. is not a normal thing and um it's it's very important you know at the tail end of a diet fat loss phase contest prep whatever that you gain back body fat at an appropriate rate okay Gain back body fat at an appropriate rate. So, you know, you're switching your gears from trying to be as lean as possible to gaining back body fat to perform better, to recover better, and to just live, uh, you know, a happier, happier life, right? So, like, I don't know of anyone who, you know, likes dieting for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and they can't go out and, you know, enjoy dinner with their friends or their girlfriend or whatever, you know. I think it's, um, especially for athletes, it's very important to, you know, provide yourself those periods of time where you pull back on the gas and those periods of times where you really turn up the gas and you adjust whatever you're doing nutrition and training wise to really be conducive to the lifestyle that you want to live with whatever you're currently at in your journey, right? So if that entails, you know, going out to eat, three days a week, four days a week with your wife or a girlfriend or whatever, then go do that. Enjoy it. It's different phases. There's no reason for you to be strict five meals a day, train, you know, this, that, and the other. And you're just like on a military schedule. So sure, that Mm -hmm. might be very important for you to thrive during a contest, during competition preparation. But when that's over, you know, be, be a little easy on yourself. Okay. You're not, you're not a dog. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not in the army. You don't need to order yourself around. Just chill out, be good to yourself, be easy on yourself, really enjoy what you're doing, you know, adjust it to where you enjoy it a bit more, especially in those off seasons or, you know, the times you're not preparing for anything. And you'll find that, you know, you progress easier over an extended period of time. So another thing, oftentimes a lot of people are very short sighted with, um, what they want to accomplish, right? And they're very, mm-hmm. you know, quick, 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 like we previously spoke about quick. I know you want abs yeah. like yesterday, but just relax, yeah. okay? Just relax. Yeah. I think it's very important to think of it as a lifespan, you know? So me being a natural bodybuilder, I know I'm not at my peak potential at, you know, 23. 
you know, I'll probably be at my peak potential at the tail end of my thirties. You know what I mean? But with that in mind, that keeps me like motivated on improving until, you know, I get to that period of time. Right. So that's something big to take into account. Um, People, people come to me and they say, coach, I'm willing to do anything. And I, I can think back to the days where I used to identify with such statements, but mm-hmm. now to me, that's a massive red flag and mm-hmm. a sign of that all or nothing scarcity mentality. Like I need to do this. I must yes. do this. Must, must is never a good word to be nice. using, especially in the context of, you know, us setting goals out for ourselves. But, you know, I think I think it's very important to really understand that, you know, the days are going and, you know, um, the more you're focused on achieving that end goal, the more you're preventing yourself from actually learning the things you need to learn in order to thrive. And this is not just nutrition or training. This is like this is internally. Right. So this is like a spiritual process as well. I'm not sure if yeah, you've experienced life. it, especially in like competition preparation, you, you tend to understand a, a very important power that you have within yourself, which is mm. you're able to manifest your vision and the things that happen up here, right? So the mm. things that you achieve, let's say you you um, you set a goal for yourself, you want to total whatever, right, for whatever lives, okay? Um, now, by the end of, or let's say, let's say you plan for that goal, by the end you get to that goal, you wouldn't have been able to achieve that goal without first changing your thoughts, which would then lead to you changing your action day to day. So if you have the thought of, okay, you know, I'm going to have X amount of meals per day. I'm going to weigh out all my food. I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm managing everything appropriately. You know, that that's not going to occur without you first, you know, understanding your why, setting this vision out for yourself and then, you know, mm-hmm. approaching it accordingly. Definitely. Definitely. And, and so many great facts that you've, you've brought up there and, and loads of really, really good thought provoking bits as well, Ashak. So I really appreciate that. And it's it's one of those things as well that um, you mentioned with kind of just mindset behind things um, being sort of focuses and goals and the larger scale. I really, really liked you saying about, you know, you, you reaching your peak potential. So sort of like you saying like towards more towards kind of like early 30s, you know, and it's one of those things that is very easy to kind of overlook is that larger span because it's so, you know, it, it very much kind of it taps into the almost the, the dopamine side of our, our brains where it's kind of like we need that next kind of gratification. We need that next fix. We need that next thing to come in. And having that bigger scope is massively important. Is, is hugely important for, 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 for many things in life, but especially when it comes to kind of reaching true potential. And um, I like to call it big picture thinking. I picked it up from Jeff that. Alberts, 3DMJ. Sure, sure, man. And it's, it's a great way to think. It's a really good way to think. And yeah, I loved your, I love your thoughts as well on the, um, you know, coming out of that restricted phase, whether it be contest prep, whether it be fat loss and just how to kind of manage that appropriately. Because, you know, when you go into any, any extreme like that, you can very much lose as well. You know, it's very easy just to look at the black and white of kind of a, 
objective with that sort of stuff and the personal element that you included is massively important of just getting your life back a little bit more and doing those things that you you probably would end up um having to drop back like you said going out for meals with your friends or your partner or whatever and that's hugely important as well so how how and when in the timeline for you then Ishak did this all start to feed into your aspiration and kind of desire and love for coaching and helping other people kind of achieve things that you've gone through and just passing on the knowledge? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, so I could not step on stage again and I'll be totally content with it. Right. And that's because yeah. what I've managed to learn through the contest prep itself, which is, mm -hmm. you know, achieving your best self, right and um, achieving your best self doesn't occur until you put a lot of time and effort and consistency and you're on it right um but you know while you can in the context of contest prep while you could achieve your best self physically there are other aspects of your life in which you could achieve your best self in whether that be financially whether that be with your relationships whatever the case may be. So that's something big that contest prep, my last contest prep really allowed me to realize. And back to what I was saying, I could not compete again and be happy because that's the realization that I've had. Like it, it, it still gets me going. I'm still passionate about it, but mm -hmm. I'm more so right now with where I'm currently at with my current journey. Um, I'm more focused on educating others, right? I, yeah. I have immense immense passion for teaching other people, um, nutrition training. And, um, through the course of writing my book, I've actually fallen in love with, uh, biomechanics. That's probably, nice. um, one of my, one of my, um, most liked aspects of resistance training, just because there's like, there's so much thought that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And, um, Eventually, I want to get to a point Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, when this um, situation with lockdown and everything blows over, um, be able to travel again. Can't wait to go to the UK for body power. Mm. And um, I plan to do workshops yeah. too. Workshops about whatever, nutrition, training, yeah. but I want to do in-person workshops because I think nice. there is... Um, tons of value to be gained out of educating people in person that I can't necessarily um, um, do in an online setting, right? And Absolutely. it's more personal too, right? You're actually Love seeing that. these people's yeah. faces and you're building relationships with them, right? So that's the other thing. Definitely, definitely. And I, lo I love what you said about biomechanics as well, man, because it's something that over my years of coaching, I've gradually fallen more in love with as well, because it's, it's more so than just kind of the, the understanding of it, they kind of the crossover to how it makes it so relatable to each individual and each individual that you work with, and getting the most from their movement. I find absolutely fascinating. I love it, you know, because no two people are designed to move the same, nor should they. And that comes completely down to their biomechanics and their bone structure. So it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it, it does go, you know, very much into the ana uh, anatomical and sciencey aspect of what we do as coaches. But at the same time, it, it has that strong crossover to real life and each individual, which I, which I really, really like. So, you with with your first comp then you said that was around two uh, 2015 sorry 2015 
Sure. Were you coaching at the time then, or was this prior to you um, coaching? So um, around 2015, I was not coaching. I think uh, around 2016, I had gotten my first gym. Um, as per- I had gotten my first job as a personal trainer in a commercial gym. Um, sure. I did that for about six months before you know I decided to pursue nursing a bit more seriously. And during that period oh, of cool. time, um, I actually coached people for free. <laughs> so I okay. coached people for free throughout my entire you know, nursing school up until I got out for about another year. And um, I eventually, you know, um, pursued, you know, trying to build a career in this industry. Right. And um, I actually that happened with first meeting Matt Ogus. Do you know who Matt Ogus is? I don't actually, man, but tell me more. You got to look him up. Great guy. Um, Shout out to shout out to Matt. Anyways, um, I had first met him in 2016. And um, he was a big, you know, b- big in the, at that time in natural bodybuilding and fitness space. Um, he was one of Gymshark's first, like, athletes along with I probably Chris seen Lovato. his face then, for sure. Yucky Lovato, yeah. And shout out to Yuck. And um, anyways, um, meeting Matt and him believing in me um, was actually probably one of the first steps that allowed me to start believing in myself. And um, because at the time I was around people who uh, I wouldn't say didn't necessarily support me. Um, They didn't support me, but um, they're very medical oriented, doctor, nurse, pharmacist, da, 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 da. Okay. And I had this thing that I was super passionate about on the side that I knew if I took seriously, I'd be able to kill it. Right. Yeah. Um, so and that's exactly what I did around 2016 after, you know, competing in um, my first show. I made a move out to um, San Diego and um, I've been living in San Diego for five years now. And when I first moved to San Diego, um, I had a living situation that went south and um, I had to live in my car for a year. Um, oh, I wouldn't shit, say man. have to, no one, no one really forced me to do it. Right. It was a decision that I made, but it was a decision that I made knowing that if I just got a chance to focus on myself, you know, I'd be able to be successful doing what I love. Anyways, I lived in my car for a year, um, while I built my business and, um, this was while working two jobs, um, wow. at, uh, a supplement store and um, at a bank. I saved enough money to first get my own place and then invest in building out the back end for Hawkfit and eventually built my coaching business. And um, it's crazy to think back that it that was like five years ago. Um, it seems like yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that was something that's super big that I learned uh, a ton from is just living out of my car. And, um, you know, I was still training during this time. Like, seriously, like I'd wake yeah. up every day, 4 a.m., go to the gym. First thing I do, shower after and then go to a coffee shop and work on the back end for a bit before I had work. And then, you know, back and forth. So I that that was my situation for about a year. Um, I wouldn't. I would say I wouldn't been I wouldn't have been able to get through that situation if I didn't see bigger things for myself. 
So, yeah. I mean, I, I let this be a PSA to anyone, you know, if, if you could imagine uh, a better future for yourself, you could create it, right? All you have to do Definitely. is be willing to invest the appropriate amount of um, time, energy, and effort. And just going back to what you had previously said about biomechanics, um, sure. it's super big, right? It's something that a lot of people don't take into account. Um, mm -hmm. There is recently um a paper published by brad schoenfeld do you know brad schoenfeld yeah okay good so there's paper um paper published by brad schoenfeld and they were investigating um you know they're investigating individual biomechanics and their finding was that individual what they call was anthropometrics okay very yeah. nerdy word for you all yeah. um they, they had found that individual anthropometrics is something that significantly impacts, you know, exercises. So depending on, depending on how you perform an exercise, depending on your setup, depending on your execution for that movement, depending on your own structure, significantly impacts what you're actually targeting while performing that exercise. So I could be performing a, a horizontal row right? Mm -hmm. But depending on how I'm performing it, that would either bias the movement to getting a bit more lat, or that would bias the movement to getting a bit more upper back, right? So, and I wouldn't say someone starting out needs to be an expert with biomechanics and understanding this, that, and how to individualize everything, but this is where having guidance comes into play. That's super important, right? Definitely. Seeking a mentor or coach. This is where improving your own education you know, it's and it doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't have to be a master about it, but at least understanding your body, right? This is where it becomes really important too, um, and how to individualize things for yourself. And like, it could be the base level, right? Even anatomy, right? You don't have to be an expert at reciting origins, insertions, anatomy, and naming every single muscle group, but really having a base understanding of anatomy will have a massive impact on you being able to visualize what you're doing, what you're targeting, how to move, if something feels off, right? That's something Definitely. big too. You don't have to be an expert with your anatomy, but having a base understanding will likely allow you to train a bit more efficiently and effectively. Absolutely, man, absolutely. And again, something that you, you, you've included multiple times is just educating yourself. And it's one of those things that, you know, either educating yourself or being educated and helped out by a coach or a mentor, as you mentioned. And that's something that's massively important as well, because I do feel that it's not necessarily always the case that coaches or personal trainers are educating. It's more spoon feeding. And so as a result, they become, you know, a, a reliable source, a source that they have to be relied on. Sorry. And it's one of those things I say to any new client, like, that I'm working with one-to-one -one in person, eventually I want to be in a situation where you almost don't need me. Like the, to me, then I've done my job, you know, like. I if, wish if more you, coaches were like that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things that I want you to be self-sufficient. I don't want you to just turn to me when you need that extra bit and you need that kind of, you know, still having programming and taking the thought process out, for example, and things like this, instead of it just being like, here's this next bit okay chew that up okay keep going you know what i mean and for just sure. sort of you know actually getting people to think for themselves and understand why they're doing things and of course not every single you know person that works through the door walks through the door sorry is going to want that 
level of service from you. You know, I've done it before, like before I fully understood that. And I was very passionate about just putting things across the way that they should be put across that some people just gloss over and they just want to turn up. They want you to train them. They want you to tell you what to do and they want to get out and have a good workout. Whereas, you know, and it, but it's then knowing your audience, isn't it? And that's something that was really for valuable sure. for me to learn as a coach was that not everybody wants the, the full explanation as to the why, but it's one of those things that, you know, I'll always, I, you know, I, I make a point of now saying to people like I can always go as in depth or as kind of scaled back as you'd like with things. But yes. it's, it's, it's a case of being like, well, okay, well, at the same time, I will still always explain as to why I'm doing things because it's another one of those things where I don't want clients to ever think, oh, he's just doing this because it either looks cool or he's not sure what else to do. You know what I mean? And so like, yeah, I want people sure. to know that, that this is a purpose for this. There is a purpose for this. Sorry. Absolutely. And, and this Absolutely. is why it's here. Great yeah. points you just touched on. Um, now, I think... Something that I dislike in the industry is generalizations and making mm -hmm. things too simple at times, sound bites, you know, these are things that I think are a bit, low, uh, a bit more um, detrimental in our space. Um, mm. And my response to people who say, oh, it's too complex. The human body is complex. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I it's think complex as it needs to be. It, it it needs to be kept simple until it needs to be complex, right? Mm -hmm. And everything needs to be at your level of understanding um, before it could be understood or applied. So if I'm getting a Mary McMuffin top, okay, yeah. I'm not going to fucking be talking about muscle protein synthesis, nutrient timing, this, that, and the other, although those are very important variables, don't get me wrong. Yeah. We'd, oh, yeah, yeah. we'd most likely focus on, you know, better eating habits, consistent mm -hmm. balanced meals, this, that, and the other, sufficient protein. Once they're able to demonstrate proficiency with hitting their macro targets, that makes me a little bit more comfortable in educating them about different things. Okay, like this week, okay, we're going to focus on optimizing your digestive health. These are yeah. the things we would likely do to do that. Or, you know, this week we're going to be focusing on optimizing nutrient timing. Okay, optimizing your pre and post workout nutrition, whatever the case may be. Everything is ever expansive, right? Um, I think Definitely. it needs to be at the individual's level um, for them to for sure understand. And then you can it. scale up, right? You can just continually nudge that up because. Chances are, if you if you get them to buy in, and they will buy in because they'll see the benefit from you explaining these things, and then they'll see the real life results of that happening. And once they've kind of got that buy in, they will more than likely take it as an, an interest. And so I want, I would like more from this, and I'd like you to explain more about that. And that's part of coaching in itself is 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 knowing again, it's knowing your audience, and it's knowing how to kind of scale those things up, and. You know, there's that there's that great saying if if you can't you know if you can't explain it simply you don't know it well enough, and that's massively important as well. You know, you if you want to call on more um, in depth kind of sciencey anatomical stuff, then call on that when it's needed. But there's also another thing as well, like you know, if like you said you've got you've got a certain client in front of you who's brand new to this environment, probably feels intimidated by it, and you start spurting off massive big anatomical words, you're just going to end up making her feel silly, her or him, whatever. It you know, and that's the last thing you want to do. You don't want to alienate someone 
by stroking your own ego and trying to sound really intelligent at the wrong point. It's like, you just know the person that's in front of you and be like, okay, cool, this is where we're at. This is what you need. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. And then, like you said, it's just, you can, you've then opened up the, the avenue of just gradually scaling up and Absolutely. kind of getting that, that, that further education in as you go along. Absolutely. Levels. It's not rocket science. It doesn't have to be rocket science either. 